that tonight, we're talking about talking about mission, talking about mission. You know, corporations and businesses have mission statements as well. Um, you may not know them, but this is internal, kind of to, to help the company make sure they're on track. You know these brands for sure. Coca-Cola is, is this, to refresh the world by crafting brands that people love. Right? That's what their mission is about. We want to refresh the world by crafting brands that people love. Nike has one. It's to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. Right? And they got a little asterisk under that that says, if you have a body, you're an athlete. Right? That's you too. Say, I'm not an athlete. No, they want to bring inspiration and innovation to every athlete in the world. McDonald's has one. We got McDonald's fans. One dollar McCafe. Let's go. Uh, to make delicious feel-good moments easy for everyone. Right? Man, they may know they're not like the, the, the five-star restaurant. They want to make it easy, though, to get a, get a quick snack, have a feel-good moment while you're there, to make delicious feel-good moments easy for everyone. Google's got one. You probably use Google today. Google's is to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. To organize the world's information, including your personal data so they can sell products to you, right, and make it universally accessible and useful. Every organization needs a reason for being. Every organization needs to have a purpose, needs to have a mission statement. And so tonight, we're talking about what is Chi Alpha's mission on campus, right? And what's the mission statement of Chi Alpha? What is our purpose as an organization? Also, what is our purpose individually, our individual missions uh, as followers of Christ? Um, so last week, we kind of kicked off this culture setting mini-series about the culture of Chi Alpha with talking about community. Again, we unpacked 1 Peter chapter 4 and talked about as Peter is addressing, man, these things should be true of Christian community. So, hey, let's make them make sure that's true of our community as well. And so we want to be that kind of healthy community that loves God well, loves other people well, man, loving the campus well, loving the city well. Uh, but then now we're kind of transitioning into every community needs a reason for being. So why does Chi Alpha exist? It's a fair question, right? Why does Chi Alpha exist? Why Chi Alpha? So Chi Alpha does have an official mission statement. This is not just Chi Alpha here at Memphis, but this is national Chi Alpha across 325 plus campuses across the country and around the world. This is the mission statement of Chi Alpha. Some of you heard it, some of you never heard it before, but here it is. To reconcile students to Christ, equipping them through spirit-filled communities of prayer, worship, fellowship, discipleship, and mission to transform the university, the marketplace, and the world. The mission statement of Kalpha is to reconcile students to Christ, right? Reconcile, that, that, that word reconcile is key to it. Helping students uh, that are far from God, man, make that connection with God through Jesus, uh, you know, whether, whether they, 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 they were close with God at some point and they're, they're far away, maybe they've never heard the gospel before, never taken that first step in, in, into a relationship with Jesus. We want to see students reconciled to God in Christ. And we're going to do this through having these spirit-filled communities like this one uh, where there's prayer happening, where worship is happening, where fellowship is happening, where discipleship is happening, where mission is happening. And then that's going to transform the university. It doesn't stop there, right? Y'all graduate and you enter the marketplace. It's going to transform the marketplace and transform the world. That's the mission statement of Kyle. So if someone asks you, hey, what's Kyle all about? If you can't remember all that, just remember, hey, we're about reconciling students to Christ, right? And that's going to transform the whole world, right? We're about reconciling students to Christ. This mission statement, man, is rooted in Scripture. Kyle gets its name from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. 2 Corinthians is a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to a church that he 
planted in the city of Corinth in ancient Greece. And so he's talking to them about a variety uh, of church matters. But he writes them in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and he's talking about our role as followers of Christ, as sons and daughters of God. I mean, we have a specific role, and it's that we are Christ's ambassadors. So 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, we are, we, right, as followers of Christ, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. There's that reconciled word again. So Paul here says that every single believer, man, every single follower of Christ is an ambassador for Christ. And right, so that, that, that idea there, Christ's ambassadors, man, when, when whoever started Calvin back in the 1950s, 1957, says, hey, I really like that Christ's ambassadors idea. How do, how do I make that name sound cool and collegiate? What if I give it like a little Greek spin? Chi Alpha, right? And they, they ran with that. Yeah, that sounds great. And so when you hear Chi Alpha, uh, and at this point, you realize Chi Alpha, not, not a fraternity, not a sorority, or if that's dawning on you now, right after the, the worship set and everything else, um, Chi Alpha just means Christ's ambassadors. When you see that XA, you think, man, Christ's ambassadors on the college campus, right? Pleading with people, hey, be reconciled to God. And have you heard the good news of what God's done for you in Jesus? Man, let me tell you the difference God's made in my life, right? We want to help people to connect with God, help see people reconciled to God, as, as if Christ is pleading through us, um, we get to be his ambassadors. I mean, what's an ambassador? Uh, the United States has ambassadors in almost every country in the world, right? And then these ambassadors, uh, they're from the United States, but they don't live in the United States. They live in these other countries and represent the U.S. with their governments and with their leaders. They represent the interests of the United States among these other kingdoms and nations. Uh, and, and in the same way, the Bible describes you as an ambassador, right? The moment that you put your faith in Jesus, right? The moment that you repented of your sins, put your trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross to save you. Uh, in that moment, a miracle happened, right? God forgave your sins. You received eternal life. You're adopted into the family of God, given a fresh start. You are now a son and daughter of God. And when this life on earth is over, you'll be forever in heaven with God. And your citizenship changed in that moment as well. So now... Now, you may still keep your, your U.S. citizenship or whatever your native country is, but you're also an eternal citizen of heaven, right? The moment you put your trust in Jesus, you're adopted into the family of God, your eternal citizenship is in heaven. That's where you're going to be forever and ever and ever. You're going to be here on earth, here in the United States, wherever God may have you live for a pretty short time compared to that. And in this season that God has you here in the city of Memphis, in the United States, on the campus, God has you here as an ambassador, representing the interests of a foreign kingdom and a foreign king among people that may not know him, may not be serving him, may not love him, but you could represent God to them. Does that make sense? So in the same way, our U.S. ambassadors may be in Paris, you know, representing the interests of the United States among the Parisians there. Uh, you get to represent the interests of God and his kingdom where he has you now and for, for y'all that's the University of Memphis. We're a community committed to a specific mission that's reconciling students to Christ how? By making disciples. By making disciples. You know, Jesus had a mission too, right? He was really clear in the Gospels about his own personal mission statement. He said it, his mission on earth in Luke 19.10 was to seek and to save the lost. He said, why am I here? To seek and to save the lost. There's lost people. It just means people that are far from God, disconnected from God. I want to seek them out, right? And I want to connect them back to God. Uh, to seek and to save the lost, to rescue them from their sins, to rescue them from death, and make sure they have eternal life in a relationship with his Father. He explained that God loves people 
and sent his son into the world to save them and restore a relationship that had been broken by sin. Jesus gave himself up to death on a cross to purchase our salvation, to reconcile us to God. And then three days later, he rose again, having conquered death forever, securing eternal life for us and all those that would put their trust in him. So God revealed in Christ that his longing is for relationship with us. God wants to have a relationship with you. If you've never been told that before, God loves you. He wants to know you. He wants to be close with you. Uh, it says in 1 Timothy 2, 4, that God desires for all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Which people? All people, right? That includes your neighbor. That includes your smelly roommate, right? That includes your cousin you don't like. Like, God loves them. Christ died for them, wants to have relationship with them, wants them to come to know the knowledge of the truth. So God's heart from the very beginning has been for every person to find their purpose in relationship with him. That's the message of the gospel, right? God loves people, sent his son Jesus to die for them, and then through faith in him, they can be made right with God. That's the message but what is God's method for spreading this message in the world? How many people live on the planet Earth, right? We're coming up on about 8 billion. I think in the coming weeks, coming months, they project we'll, we'll be at about 8 billion people. That's a lot of people that need to hear God loves them, right? And they need to hear the good news about Jesus. What is God's plan to make sure that they all hear, right? Because it's good that God has that plan, right? Or good that God has that heart that, man, I just love people. Right? Peter tells us in his epistles that it's God's will that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. And he said, I love people. I don't want them to perish apart from me. I want them to come to repentance and come into relationship with me. Man, that's a great desire in his heart. Does God have a plan to accomplish that? He does. He does, right? God's smarter than me or any of us. He has an incredibly brilliant plan to accomplish that. It is brilliantly simple. And he gives it to us multiple times in the New Testament, uh, towards the end of each gospel. And again, in Acts, we call it the Great Commission. We're going to look at the version of it that appears in Matthew 28. So if you have your Bibles, this is our main text. Um, is this Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. It's God's brilliant but simple plan. Uh, we call it the Great Commission that he delivers to his followers. These are Jesus's some of his last words. This is what he speaks after the resurrection, right before ascending to heaven, these are the last words of Jesus. You know, the last words of a person are often very important. Some of you guys grew up in church, may have heard this before, may be familiar to you. Some of you guys, it may be the very uh, first time that you're hearing it. Uh, this is Matthew 28, verse 19 through 20. This is Jesus speaking right before the ascension. Jesus says this. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. How much authority? All of it. All of it. Jesus is the son of God, right? And, and he says, all authority over all the earth, over everything, has been given to me. And because of that, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He's speaking to his followers, right, before the ascension. This isn't just to pastors. This isn't just to missionaries or future Sunday school leaders. This is all believers. He says, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, and part of that making disciples process involves baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God's plan for reaching the whole world were for his followers to faithfully make disciples. That's the plan. He said, hey, I want y'all to go and then make disciples. Go and teach other people the things that I've taught you. And then they'll turn around and teach other people, and they'll turn around and teach other people until everyone's heard, and then we're done, right? That's the plan, right? It's brilliantly simple. Now, have, have we done a good job of executing it in the last 2,000 years? I don't know. Uh, but, but, man, the, the church has 
has grown and spread, and on every continent there's a faithful witness of Jesus and people coming to Christ every day, uh, and this thing is still spreading, uh, but this is still God's command for every believer to go and to make disciples. Again, not just for pastors, not just for missionaries, but everyone, every son and daughter of God, the command is mandatory. The command is urgent, and it comes straight from the heart of God. And it's in making disciples that our lives will have a greater purpose than just ourselves. Right? I mean, you, you can have a lot of purposes, dreams, goals, and things you want to accomplish with your life. And it's good to have those things. But if you want a dream that's bigger than you, right, that's going to outlive you, outlast you when you're 70, 80 years on this life is over, man, weave your life into God's plan, God's dream, which is for all people to come to know him. Right? This is what's going to give your life true value and purpose and meaning, bigger than yourself. It's in our obedience to Christ that we have the opportunity to see lives transformed forever by the love of God and make a lasting impact on the world. So my challenge to you this new school year is to make disciples. Right? If you're a follower of Christ, if you love the Lord, you're following Jesus, I encourage you, let the Lord use you to make disciples. Oh man, I can't possibly do that. Well, I believe you can, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. I believe that you can. Again, this means more than just making converts. This means more than just, hey, would you pray this prayer with me one time, and then we're good. It's more than just getting people to believe a message or pray a prayer. Making disciples requires you to invest yourself in another human being, to invest your life into theirs and teach them to follow Jesus, help them to grow spiritually and mature as followers of Christ. Where do we do that? Right? Well, it says there in the Great Commission uh, that we go. So, so that go is, does it involve going to other places? Man, it does. But it also can be read as, as you are going, make disciples. So wherever God has you, make disciples. So if that's in the college campus, if that's in algebra class, right? If, if that's in the chem lab, if that's working at Starbucks, uh, wherever that is, if that's in your dorm room, make disciples, right? Wherever God has you, make disciples, make disciples. Um, we're going to do that wherever God places us, in the classroom, at your job, with your roommates, with folks on your hall, with your biology lab partner, in your study group, wherever you are, if there's people there that are far from God, share the gospel with them. When I say the gospel, I just mean the good news of what God has done for us through Jesus. Have you heard the good news of what God's done for us through Jesus? Man, tell them. Man, say, man, here's what God's done. Man, also share your testimony. Man, the good news of what the Lord has done for you personally. Man, can I tell you my life was a hot mess before Jesus? Can I tell you what God's done for me? Can I tell you how he got me from here uh, to here? And man, the hope and the peace and the joy that I have in the Lord now? Man, share your testimony with them. Share the hope that you found in Jesus with them. Uh, share the gospel. Share your testimony and make disciples wherever God has you. Wherever God has you. And there are opportunities to do these things in other contexts outside the campus as well. There's opportunities to travel to other parts of the country, other parts of the world, and proclaim the good news of Jesus. And this willingness to be used of God in that way. Say, God, I want you to use me. I want you to use me to share Jesus with somebody and see them put their faith in him and get saved and, and, and begin to grow as a follower of Christ. And that willingness to be a part of God's global mission is right at the heart of what Kyle's is all about. Right? We say we're Christ's ambassadors. Right? So that, that kind of missional, that missional attitude. Yeah, God used me. God used me to make disciples. God used me to share Jesus with people. And that's right at the DNA of what Kyle is all about. Kyle is about uh, mission. Uh, and, and again, that's something you're going to hear about again and again because it's, it's, it's right at our heartbeat at Kyle. And we want to be about the mission of God. We want to make sure every single person has an opportunity to be reconciled to God in Christ. And so 
yes, there's a big encouragement to do that on campus, but we'll also take missions trips. We call them project trips each year to a variety of places. Um, we'll take a spring break trip and a summer trip. Um, and we've gone to places like Orlando. Last May, we went to uh, New Orleans. For several years, we went to Dominican Republic, uh, helping establish university ministries uh, in Santo Domingo and La Vega and some other cities there throughout that island. Um, we take trips to there, uh, a variety of places. Um, and we'll have those coming up in the following year. And I want you to think like, man, I, man, I'd like to go and be part of one of these project trips. Like, go ahead and plan on that now. Say, yeah, yeah, I'd like to do that in spring break or summer. If, you, if you're here tonight and you've been on a project trip with Memphis before, with Calpha before, could you raise your hand? I know several of you have. Yeah, several of you. Some of you guys have gone out of the country with me. Uh, some of you guys have gone down to Atlanta. Uh, some of you guys, uh, we went to, to New Orleans in May and, and helped, helped the church there and did some outreach in the community there. Um, and so over the years, man, I've seen the Lord use these trips not only to bless the people that we go and serve, because, man, we go and help people. Uh, we may go serve a local, a local community, man, serve, serve a homeless community, uh, help a church that's trying to reach their community, uh, help with kids, with young adults, with college students, whatever, whatever they need. But not only does it bless the people we serve, man, I also see God use it tremendously in the life of the student that goes, really growing them and stretching them in every way in their relationship with Jesus. Uh, and God uses that to help develop you to the person that he wants you to be. So yes, we can travel to proclaim Jesus and make disciples, yeah, but I don't, think you, I don't want you to be thinking about the mission of God only in terms of somewhere else that I have to go. Uh, God wants you to share and make disciples right where you're at. And so one of the reasons, I mean, I know many of us don't do this, uh, is because we've never been taught how, right? So some of you guys grew up in church. The Great Commission is not new information to you, right? So not, I've been hearing this. Okay, go into all the world and make disciples uh, of all nations. I've been hearing that. A lot of reasons people don't do it is, one, no one's ever done it to them, right? They've never been personally discipled, mentored, invested in in that way, so they don't really know what it looks like to do it to somebody else. Or they've never been taught, trained, given the skills, equipped uh, to make disciples effectively. I get it. I get it. So a lot of people are like, man, I know I'm supposed to do that, and I've got a lot of, like, guilt that I'm not doing that, but I'm not going to do it because I really don't know how, and no one's ever done that for me. And I want the, the ministry, the community of Kyle to be a place and where you can personally man, get discipled, get mentored, get invested in, and also you're given all the tools and the training, and you're, you're equipped so that you can turn around and know exactly what to say to share Christ with someone else, to disciple someone. Man, if you lead your roommate to Christ, man, here's what I can go through step by step to help them grow, grow in the Lord. Man, I want to help you make sure you've got every resource uh, you can need to effectively do that. Um, I believe that every believer needs to both make disciples and be discipled themselves. Let's look at the second one first. Be discipled. Be discipled. And I really believe every single person in here, myself included, needs to be discipled. We need to have someone that is investing in us, someone that's pouring into us. So have you ever had someone intentionally invest in you and your spiritual growth? Right? That, that said, hey, uh, I'm going to connect with you. and I'm going to help make sure that you have what you need so you can grow in Jesus, whether that's just just my personal attention and resourcing, my encouragement, I'm praying for you, I'm holding you accountable. Have you had a, ever had someone in your life that's done that for you? Um, we understand we need a mentor or apprenticeship for our professional growth, right? We understand that's part of the strategy of pursuing our career. We know we may need a counselor for our mental and emotional health and our, and, and our, and our well-being in that kind of way. But what about what's most important to us, right? Our spirit, our soul, our spiritual well-being, um, 
you know, do, do we have someone investing in us in that way who's helping us to grow to be the person that God's called us to be? And if we don't have that, man, I encourage you, man, we need that. We need to find someone that can be that uh, to us. Who's meeting with you and coming alongside you to help you with the struggles of life, helping you find meaning and purpose in God, and directing you to the scriptures, uh, praying with you, encouraging you, holding you accountable? We all need that, myself included, right? Myself included. When I was a student uh, at, at university, Many years ago, there, there's a group of guys that I connected with, plugged in with a life group, and had some upperclassmen that held me accountable, that poured into me. I had a campus pastor that met one-on-one -on -one with me um, and discipled me, invested in me. Uh, and, and through the years, man, I've still got friends that I call on. i still got pastors that I submit to their authority and, and can go to them when I, need, when I need encouragement, when I got a question, when I just need to vent to somebody and say, hey, pray for me. Uh, we all need that, and we don't stop needing it, right? With the body of Christ, we need each other. Uh, we need that kind of mentorship. Um, all of us do. Um, and if you don't have that, let me encourage you to allow the Lord to place that kind of person in your life. Say, God, would you give me someone like that? Um, you know, the, the, the staff and student leaders uh, here at Chi Alpha would love to be that for you. And we would love to connect with you uh, and meet with you and help you to grow and develop to be the person God wants you to be. Um, and, and, and so, so if you reach out, say, hey, hey, are you staff, are you student leader with Calpha? Um, and let's set up the time to meet. And they may reach out to you first and be like, hey, what's up? I'd like to meet with you. I'd like to get, get, get lunch together, get coffee. I mean, take them up on that because we all need that for sure. Uh, everyone needs it, including me. Um, and it, it's amazing how the Lord uses that in our life. So what that looks like in the ministry of Calpha, again, is that, is that kind of one-to-one uh, peer mentorship kind of relationship, peer-to-peer, maybe one-on-one, maybe, -on -one, maybe it's two-on-one, and group of two, group of three, uh, they get together and encourage one another in the Lord, right? And they, they can, can help that person to grow, they can hold each other accountable for temptations and sins, they can look at the word together, they can pray for one another, encourage one another. Um, and so, so as we do peer mentoring in Calpha, man, I would love every single person who's here tonight as you connect with the ministry of Calpha to, to find that peer mentor, find that person you're meeting one-on-one -on -one with. Or maybe it's a two-on-one kind of situation. I mean, two or three of you uh, meet uh, once a week, I mean, every other week, and, and you're holding each other accountable, helping each other grow, and being intentional with it. So in addition to those one-on-one -on -one type mentor relationships, discipleship also happens best in community. Um, this is what Jesus did with his own disciples, right? Je Jesus certainly did have one-on-one -on -one ministry. We can read about it uh, as he would go see Nicodemus late at night as he meets with the woman at the well. There's one-on-ones that happen. But the lion's share of Jesus' time was spent with 12 dudes in like a small group type setting where, where he would eat with them, hang out with them, did life together with them. Um, and this is why life groups are such a vital part of what we do with Chi Alpha is because that's going to be that small community that's really going to help you grow uh, in discipleship uh, as you guys do life together, pray together, study the word together. And again, if you've not yet connected with the Chi Alpha life group, uh, that's going to be a huge part of what it means to be discipled. So that's be discipled. Every believer needs to be discipled. Also, really believe every uh, believer needs to and can make disciples make disciples even me yeah yeah even you and again another reason many of us aren't actively making disciples is we don't even know where to start man i know i'm supposed to do that i know i'm supposed to tell people about jesus i don't even know like ground zero where do i even start with that um thankfully jesus not only gives us the command to make disciples he also modeled how to do it with his own life and read the gospel and open up a Matthew, a Mark, a Luke, a John, and, and look at what Jesus did with his own disciples. Man, he, he went up to people, he called them, said, hey, follow me, right? You might, say, you might not say it exactly like that, but hey, hang out with me. Hey, get lunch with me. Hey, come over to my place. We're going to play, play the game. We're going to do whatever, right? Or, hey, we're going to drive to the store. You want to come with me? Invite people into your life. 
and then intentionally pour into them uh, and invest in them. We can learn tons about the process of making disciples by examining the methods Jesus used with his own disciple. We have a class starting uh, in a couple weeks at the end of December, uh, September. It's going to be on Tuesday nights called Discipleship Class. And many of the student, well, all the student leaders have been through it. Many of you in this room have been through it. Discipleship Class, we call it D-Class uh, for short. It's going to be on Tuesday nights, uh, six, starting in a few weeks. And we'll spend uh, seven, eight, eight weeks looking at the methods Jesus used with his own disciples and giving you real practical, useful stuff to equip you to share Jesus with other people. Um, so Jesus called his first disciples and said, hey, come follow me. And a person becomes a disciple of Jesus when they leave their old life behind and begin to follow Christ. And so he assembles this group of 12 ordinary men that probably did not seem like much at the time. But then he transforms these guys over that three, three and a half years of ministry, transforms these guys into absolute world changers. The world would never be the same. So what are some of the methods Jesus used with his own disciples? We're going to move super quick through this last part. Uh, first, Jesus was relational, right? How did Jesus make disciples? Well, he was relational, right? People were not projects to him, right? He built, he built relationships. So during his years of public ministry, the majority of Jesus' time was spent with people. The Bible does tell us he took times of solitude, took times to get away and to pray and to be alone. But a lot of his time was just spent with other people. Right? And some of that was you know, preaching to, to big crowds and thousands of people and, and feeding them. Uh, but a lot of it was spent with these 12 guys, right? his life group, right? just doing life with them, walking with them, uh, eating with them. They'd find some place to stay together, maybe sleep under the stars. Uh, and he'd explain his teachings and parables in greater depth with them. Uh, he built relationships with them. He prioritized relationship. Uh, he, even, he even went on to say, man, I, I call you guys my friends. Right? It's, not, it's not, not just you're my servants, you're my friends. He really loves people. He really made relationships a priority. And it's the same way for us. right? If we've got someone we want to share Jesus with, we've got to make that friendship, that relationship, a priority in our life. Um, you know, dealing with the sensitive issues in a person's life, helping them to serve Jesus uh, as Lord is going to require a level of trust that can only come from real friendship. Right? If, if they don't know that you care about them, they don't care about anything that you know. You've got to show them that you love them, you care about them as a person, you're going to be there for them no matter what, and then that's going to earn you the trust to be able to speak into their life about spiritual things. So Jesus was relational, and we want to be relational as well. Second thing Jesus was, Jesus was intentional. No one's ever made a disciple on accident. Like, oops, I accidentally discipled this guy. Well, way to go, that was easy. No, it, it takes intentionality, right? You, got, you do it on purpose. In the same way, Jesus was very intentional. Jesus called specific individuals to follow him. He didn't stand on the street corner and be like, I'm putting together a discipleship team. Uh, just anybody, anybody want to be on it? We're going to meet over here at this time. No, he's like, Matthew, come follow me. Peter, come follow me. Andrew, come follow me. He was specific with it. And we can be specific and intentional as well. We can pray, God, who would you have me share Christ with? Um, and who in my classes, right? Who on my floor? Who at work do you want me to share Jesus with and try to invest in and disciple? Um, use specific situations as teachable moments to impart his wisdom. Nothing was left to chance. For Jesus, every word and every action was with purpose. And he intended to see these 12 ordinary men grow to be the mighty ambassadors for his kingdom. Discipleship is not something that just happens, right? It doesn't happen on accident. Uh, it takes intentionality. It requires being aware of those around us, sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Each and every one of us has friends and neighbors and coworkers uh, and classmates that are far from God in a desperate need of the hope we found in Jesus. Uh, but our conversations with these people are not just going to transform into spiritual conversations all by themselves. 
unless we're intentional about it, right? And so when you're in those conversations, man, be intentional to steer the direction of that conversation to spiritual things. I mean, ask them about faith. Ask them about God. Ask them man, where they're at on those kind of things. Share about what God's meant to you and in your life. We've got to be intentional. Making disciples does not occur by accident. We've got to be deliberate in what we say and do. Uh, Jesus was intentional. We've got to be intentional as well, making the most of every opportunity God gives us. And finally, Jesus was relational. He was intentional. Finally, Jesus was transgenerational. Transgenerational. That means what he taught could be passed down from generation to generation to generation. Uh, and so how do you know that you've successfully discipled someone? Let's say, you, let's say you've got a kid named Kenny in your class. And say, I'm going to share, share Christ with Kenny. Uh, he said, yeah, I'm, I'm way into that. How do I follow Jesus? Um, and uh, I said, okay, here, here's all the things Jesus taught us to do. And he teaches me. How do you know you're done with Kenny? When he knows enough that he can turn around and teach someone else, right? It's about replication, right? That, that's the mission of God here. And so the end goal in the discipleship process is to bring the person to that place of spiritual maturity that they can then turn around and disciple someone else. So when Jesus taught, he used simple stories and illustrations that someone else could turn around and teach as well. So it's not about trying to be as complex as you can be to, to, to impress them with how smart you are and how big your, your Jesus brain is. Uh, use simple illustrations. Use teachable moments. Make it simple and practical for them, right? It's not just enough that they know how to pray. Make sure they know how to pray good enough that they could turn around and teach someone else how to pray. It is important for them to know how to read their Bible, but also teach them how to teach someone else to read the Bible. Does that make sense? So make sure your methods are, are something simple and repeatable, and then you're investing in someone. Uh, they can turn around and invest in someone else as well. And again, in, in the discipleship class, we talk about those things um, those real, real practical tools we can use to invest in other people. So the met methods we use should not be overly complex, but simple enough that they can be repeated uh, and, and simple enough that, that we can share them just, man, on a walk, on an elevator ride, right, over lunch, over coffee. And when we do this, right, man, when, when, we're, when we're relational, when we're intentional, when we're teaching in a way that's transgenerational, uh, we, we impart the gospel to people and help them nurture, nurture their faith in Christ. In this way, one generation at a time, the call of the Great Commission is answered and accomplished. The discipleship process is about reproduction. It passes from one generation to the next, spreading throughout communities, spreading throughout the world. This was the plan of Jesus from the very beginning uh, so that every person on earth could experience the transformative power of the gospel as you disciple others, as you invest in others. And I can't tell you how much fulfillment I've found personally in helping people grow in Jesus, right? And, and building friendships where people come to know God and seeing them grow in the Lord and then, then see them turn around and disciple others and lead other people to Christ, right? There's not a greater feeling in this world than seeing someone come to Jesus and then, and then see them share that with their friends, see them lead other people to Christ. There's nothing more satisfying than seeing an individual that you've invested in grow in maturity and then begin to disciple others. So for you guys tonight, wherever the Lord has placed you is incredibly strategic. God doesn't have you where you're at on accident. Whatever class, even the ones you hate, God doesn't have you there on accident. God doesn't have you on that floor next to the incredibly loud neighbors on accident. God doesn't have you uh, at your job, right, having to work with these people on accident. God has you somewhere for a purpose and he's strategic with it, and he's entrusted each of us with the responsibility to disciple those around us. And he encourages us, the, the, the last words there uh, of Matthew 28, and in that last verse, he encourages us with this promise. He says, I'm not sending you out to, to do this alone. He says, I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. And the process of making disciples is not about programs 
and techniques. Uh, at every moment, we need the power and guidance of Christ by his Holy Spirit. What a privilege, you know, to work alongside Jesus. And he says, I'm going to be with you, right? And those moments, it's tough, or you're like claiming, ah, I feel like I'm supposed to talk about the Lord with this person. Ah, I don't want to. Jesus says, I'm with you. I'm with you, like right now. I'm going to give you the words that you need in this moment that no one can contradict. Uh, just open your mouth. Just be bold. Just take that first step. I'm with you. I'm going to make sure you have everything you need. He's going to give you the courage. Uh, he's going to give you the words. He's going to help you. You don't do any of this alone. And, and not just in the discipleship making process. Man, this whole life with Jesus, Jesus says, I'm going to be with you for all of it. Living in you and through you by your Holy Spirit. Man, he's close. He's always there with you. Uh, and so th this last, last quote I want to leave you with. I'm talking about missions tonight. This is one of my favorite and most influential missionaries personally to me. This is Dick Brogdon. Uh, Dick's the founder of the Live Dead Missions Movement in East Africa and now, now around the world. Um, and he says this. He says, we do not proclaim Jesus widely because we've not encountered him powerfully. The reason we don't proclaim Jesus widely to everyone that we meet is because we've not encountered him powerfully ourselves. And I can't tell someone else to do something I'm not even doing myself, or I can't convince someone else to, to, to really give their life to something I'm not giving my own life to. And imagine me trying to tell you how good, how good Starbucks is, and I've never had Starbucks, right? Or, or to how good, oh man, you really ought to go to, ought to, go to this, this restaurant. What do we have that's good there? I gotta be honest, I've never eaten there. Right? That's not gonna be very compelling, right? And it's the same way with your faith. Man, you're not gonna proclaim Jesus broadly to the people in your life if you've not experienced him intimately. You're just not, right? So that's step one. You've got to know Jesus intimately. You need to experience his presence in a powerful way. And it's that joy that comes from that closeness with God that's going to compel you. It's like, man, everyone needs to know about this. Everyone's got to hear about this, right? People I like, the people I don't like, everybody needs to know about this Jesus that I've found. So let's respond to that in prayer. Jackie, would you mind to uh, play softly? And could you guys stand up? And, uh, and bow your heads. We're, we're going to respond to this in prayer. Two ways I want us to respond. One, that, that that would be true of us, that we would know the Lord and encounter him ourselves so that now we personally could be forever changed, but also so that we'd be able to proclaim him to others as one who has experienced him ourselves, that we would know the Lord, encounter him ourselves, so we can proclaim him faithfully. I'll pray for that. And also pray for the Lord's help and courage that we both share Christ with those around us and for our obedience to the heart of God that we make disciples and be discipled ourselves. Can we pray that? Um, Father God, we love you. Uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together. Uh, Jesus, thank you uh, that, that you created the world. You created each and every one of us. And even though, God, our, our lives are a mess because of sin and so many of us are disconnected and far from you, God, you loved us too much to leave us that way. God, you sent your son Jesus to do for us what we can never do for ourselves. But through his death on the cross, he purchased our forgiveness. That by trusting in Jesus and what he did on the cross to save us, we could be forgiven and made right with God. It doesn't matter what we've done or how big we've blown it. We can confess those sins to God and he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us and give us a fresh start. If you're here tonight and that's you, say, man, man, I, I need a fresh start. I've blown it. Uh, I've got some stuff that, man, I know is not right. Uh, and I want to confess that to God and make it right. If that's you, could you throw up a quick hand so I can pray with you? Several hands, several hands. Well, God, we do. We pray. Uh, Father God, would you help us to turn from those sins, turn from those, those things that we're doing that's not right, man, those temptations we're giving into. God, we repent. We turn away from those things. Jesus, would you forgive us and cleanse us? because of what you did on the cross for us.
We put our trust in you, Jesus, and what you've done uh, to make us right with God and give us a fresh start tonight. We believe you're the son of God. believe you raised from the dead. believe we can trust you with our lives. Help us to be obedient, God, to the call that you have to make disciples and to be discipled ourselves. I pray for every student tonight that they would, that they would seek out and, uh, that peer discipleship relationship, someone that can invest in them, encourage them, hold them accountable, help them to grow in the Lord. We all need it. And God, I pray that you'd also help us each to be obedient about making disciples, sharing Christ with the people around us. God, give us the courage. Help us to have that same heart, God, that you have uh, to see people saved and come to know you. And God, help us to experience you in a powerful way. God, that we'd be compelled to share you with others, Jesus. God, I pray that each student would sense your nearness, Jesus. You promised to be with us always to the very end of the age. God, I pray that each student here tonight would sense your nearness, sense your great love for them, God. Praise the Lord. Praise you, good King Jesus. Praise you, God. Jesus, be glorified in our lives. Help each of these students as they go from here tonight. God, I pray as they, uh, even as they're leaving here, even as they're laying down tonight, that you would place people on their hearts, place guys and girls uh, that are in their sphere of influence, people they may run into as they go throughout their week, place specific individuals on their heart that you would have them share something with this week. And maybe it's just, man, letting them know, hey, God loves you. Maybe it's just, hey, can I tell you about what Jesus has done for me? And start starting small, but just being obedient to open your mouth, have a spiritual conversation with someone God places on your heart. God, use us in that way, strategically, for your kingdom and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.